Hi. Oh, are we? Hi. Hi, listener. Hello. Are we doing this thing? We are, in fact, doing this thing. What is this thing that we are doing? This thing called podcasts. Oh, that thing. I've heard of podcasts. Podcast. What is a podcast? (laughs) Well, two humans, or perhaps more, talk into microphones. Mm. Okay. And they don't really say anything of import until like halfway through because at first they're just <laughs> they're just finding their feet. Mm-hmm. But right, then they right, have right, really right, good right. notes. But then they have really, really, really good notes. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And and you said it's called a podcast? It's called a podcast. Podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if anyone's like, <laughs> if anyone has like incorporated a podcast into like a D and D game or like, <laughs> oh, I bet not yeah. like not like a podcast about their D and D game because there's tons of those. Or but I mean, straight. like within their D and D game, yeah, a character has a podcast, right? Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. what I want to. That's what I'm curious about. There's also on Hello from the Magic Castle or from the Magic Tavern in they're a magical world. And so instead of playing Dungeons and Dragons, they play officer uh, office offices and bosses. So they're uh, like wizards and stuff who play as though they're offices, uh, people who work at an office. It's pretty funny. Uh-huh. That reminds me of in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when Lucy goes to Mr. Tumnus's house and he has, like, books in his house that have titles like, Is Man a Myth? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Good stuff. I feel like that's a reference that Jessica Day would make. Oh, absolutely. Narnia. Yeah. I also just, I can't. I couldn't live with myself if I didn't note how truly terrified I was of that first part of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when I was, like, in second mm. and third grade, when mm. when it turns out that she's kind of been trapped there and he's going to give her to the witch or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, one of the scariest things. That's I can scary. still feel it, like, in my bones. Anyway, yes, Jess Day would definitely know Narnia. Oh, yeah. She would absolutely know Narnia. Well, we are off to a great start because that has absolutely nothing to do with what we plan to talk about today yeah and that is totally fine um (laughs) we don't have to have perfectly seamless segues to everything okay like we're not this american life okay do i look like ira glass to you i don't know what ira glass looks like but i'm assuming no so You definitely don't look like Terry Gross from Fresh Air, so no, <laughs> no. But you know what? In like the more like newsy podcasts, they don't even worry about having like a topical segue. They're just like, yeah. And now in this other story, we're gonna talk about like they don't even worry about it. So you know what? Yeah, I don't care. And then this happened. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. So, <laughs> what are we talk well. What did we talk about last time? Last time, Erin talked for a long time. I talked for a about long breakups. Time. About breakups. Me- we sang some Taylor Swift. Listened to some Fleetwood Mac. You know, really mm. got into it. Yeah, <laughs> it was good stuff. And 
today I wanted to talk about sitcoms. The way that you said that first part kind of sounded like Christopher Walken. Today, today I, I <laughs> wanted to talk about sitcoms. I, that's a terrible Walken. I apologize. No, I like to it. Christopher Walken and everyone who can do a good impression of him. Well, he's our um, number one <laughs> listener. But anyway, sitcoms. <laughs> Remember the episode of SNL where where he hosted, and so then there was like a walk-in family reunion, and the entire cast got to do their walk-in impressions. Yeah, it was great. Or <laughs> like Amy Poehler's was the best because she's like a little girl, and she's like, <laughs> "This is my doll. <laughs> she's afraid of ghosts because they're spooky." <laughs> Or remember the sketch he was in where he has to put googly eyes on all of his plants because he's too afraid of them? I think of that sketch maybe once a week and it makes me laugh every time. Every single time. Just things you think about. Yep. 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 (laughs) Okay. We've gotten off topic yet again. That is fine. Sitcoms. That is perfectly fine. We will bring it back around. Sitcoms. So... (laughs) Situational comedy. Situational comedy. And when we recenter, yes. we're just gonna say the topic name. <laughs> Situational comedy. Situational so, comedy. I wanted to talk about sitcoms today because New Girl is a sitcom. And yeah. that's it. That's, that's all. the only connection. Um so <laughs> no, so I specifically wanted to talk about women led, women centered and or women-created sitcoms yeah. in TV history. And I think this is an interesting, New Girl is an interesting um, kind of gateway to this topic, I think, because I believe at the time that it started airing, like, there weren't a lot of female-centric sitcoms on the air. Like, there sure. had been in the past, mm-hmm. but I think at that time, like the early 2010s, like there weren't very many. Yeah. Um, You know, Sex and the City went off the air in like 2004. So like it had been a while. So I think like the, in the year or two after New Girls started, we saw a few more come up, like Two Broke Girls and The Mindy Project and a few others that all kind of came in that, like, early 2010s time period. But New Girl Girl was kind of the first one that, like, set off that wave. So I just did a little bit of research about some women-led sitcoms in TV history And while I was, so I just like pulled out a few examples that I'm actually familiar with, but I also found as kind of a good foundation for my research, there's an article in Refinery29 back in 2018. So uh, back in 2018, there were reboots in the works of both Roseanne and Murphy Brown, which were kind of like... These two, like, iconic 1980s, 90s sitcoms created by and starring women. Yeah. And I think the Murphy Brown reboot was only, like, one season. Okay. And then, I don't know what happened to the Roseanne reboot. Like, Roseanne kind of 
went off the deep end, but you know, that that happens. Um, (laughs) But, and I didn't watch either one of them, but I remember like, I do remember watching Roseanne when I was like really, really little and Murphy Brown too, actually. Like my mom loved Murphy Brown. Um, So like I sort of, I sort of have like a frame of reference for both of those shows, but it's interesting looking at both of those, like the original runs of both of those, because they're like very different in like subject matter and in like the humor was completely different. Sure. But they were both like created by women. They both starred women and they both kind of had this like, you know, groundbreaking impact on sitcoms, which is really interesting. So if we want to look at the, a little bit further back in history, get in like the way back machine to, (laughs) to our first, um, sitcom on our journey. Let's talk about I Love Lucy because really, you know, this is kind of, this is the, the, the mother of them all, right? Yeah. (laughs) So like Lucille Ball, what of course was like like she was in charge of her show like she owned the show's production company like with her husband and she had creative control over the show and over her character and i think it's also noteworthy that in i love lucy you have this really like really central friendship between lucy and ethel yeah and like this was like I, like this was the core relationship of the show because like Lucy and Ethel like were always like you know getting into shenanigans together yeah um and that was really like the core relationship and there wasn't really like you never really saw like Lucy and Ethel like at odds with one another they were always you know deeply connected and they were always like best friends yeah like, it was great Absolutely. And I think... Did you watch I Love Lucy? Oh, all the time. Maybe... I think it it started with Nick at Night. I used to watch it on Nick at Night when I was a lot younger. And then um, I remember thinking... Oh, this is what an ad- this is such a weird thing for a third grader to think. <laughs> but I remember thinking, oh, this is what friendship feels like in your as your when you're an adult. This is what female (laughs) friendships are like they like you were saying, they are never catty with each other. They're never all of Mm -hmm. the things that sometimes women are written as doing. They are a team. Right. And it's it's sometimes it seems as though it's them against not against their husbands, but it's them as a team. Mm hmm. And then their relationships are separate. And I really, I always loved that. And I actually, I watched a bunch of I Love Lucy this uh, this Christmas. I don't know why. Aww. I just got super into it's it. It's comforting. It's very comforting. Did you watch <laughs> I Love Lucy as a kid or when oh, did yeah, you start? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, on Nick at Night. And I think, I think also, like, there was, like, for a little while, it was, it aired at like three in the afternoon so like right when I came home from school yeah so I would watch it then too and then like sometimes there were marathons I think <laughs> on like um yeah Nick at Night or like TV Land I think was the other 
channel. So like, yeah. I have that memory too of at least every couple months you would get an I Love Lucy marathon. And you yeah. know what? You were happy with it. It was you always welcome. It. Yeah. <laughs> always love an I Love Lucy marathon. We'll move on to our next sitcom here. And that is the Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. I don't know if you ever watched this one. I've seen clips of it, but I'm okay. less familiar. Well, and then also there is a spinoff called Rhoda. Oh, yeah. I only, I knew about Rhoda because my elementary school music teacher would always call me Rhoda. Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, uh, that's not my name. And she's like, oh, I know. I'm sorry. You're not Mary Tyler Moore's friend. <laughs> <laughs> And I had no idea what she was talking about, but now I do, of course. Um, (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, so Mary Tyler Moore was really, like, the first sitcom, like, the first big sitcom about a woman, like, going out into the world and, like, pursuing her career. Yeah. You know, whereas, like, before that, like, you had Lucy and you had, like, like, Samantha on Bewitched. And a few of those other, like, female characters, like, it, like, they were the star of the show, but they were mostly, like, within the domestic sphere. Um, yeah. And so, like, you didn't really see a woman in a career until Mary Tyler Moore. Um, another thing that was, like, notable about Mary Tyler Moore is that she was, like, unapologetically single. Like, she yeah. didn't, like, worry about, like, oh, I don't have a boyfriend. I Like, she dated, but, like, she was never, you know, they never showed her as being, like, oh, I need to get a date for such a job. Yeah. Such a I also think um, the theme song was, like, really iconic. Cause it, or, like, the opening credits, because she's, like, walking around the city, and then she, like, throws her hat up, and the song is, like... You're gonna make it after yeah. all, right? <laughs> that song makes me, like, almost want to cry. I don't know why. It's just, like, Aww. so hopeful and, like, it is gonna, we are gonna make it. We are gonna make it after <laughs> all. Um, so that was in the 70s. And then in the 80s, we have, like, kind of a natural descendant of Mary Tyler Moore in Murphy Brown who was also a woman who was, like, very career-focused. Yeah. And she was, what was Murphy Brown? She was an investigative journalist and news anchor. And she also, I think, ended up becoming, like, she ended up kind of working her way up at her news network. Um, So she was also, like, very career-focused. Yeah. Because I didn't watch it very much, but I remember that my mom really loved it. Well, I love Candace Bergen. Bergen? Yeah. I think she's so funny. I I really like her a lot. But I've never seen Murphy Brown either. Um, There is a great quote in the Refinery29 article that I referenced earlier. There is a quote from um, Joy Press, who's the author of the book Stealing the Show, Um, which is about the history of women in TV. She said, there were very limited ways to be a woman on television. And I think really women at that point were still expected to be a little bit less kind of aggressive and angry. 
And she was really an Avenger. Her job was to go after corporate bad guys and government cheaters. It feels like we could really use her right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if it's available to watch anywhere because I kind of want to watch it. You know, I a lot of them are on Hulu. A lot of these, like, mm, just slightly yeah. older shows. Hulu Come does on. a good job of collecting all of them. Yeah, we should we should yeah. find it. <laughs> yes, let's. Um, moving on, shall we, to... I just felt like John Oliver. He always <laughs> says... When, they get, when he gets to, the, like, the main story, he's like, moving on, our main story. <laughs> See, that's his segue. Okay. That's his segue. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the next sitcom that we're going to highlight is Ellen, starring Ellen DeGeneres. I love Ellen. I have seen less of the show than I've seen of her like um, talk show, obviously, but... I really love her stand-up, so I think I'd really like this show. I need to Yeah, her stand-up is really funny. Yeah. Her stand-up is, like, so wholesome. It is! It's like... (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Um, Yeah, so this, of course, was, like, groundbreaking. Yeah. Because I think she was the first sitcom protagonist to be openly gay. Right. So, like, Ellen herself came out what was it in time magazine and then like a month later her character on the show also came out yeah um yeah yeah 1997 1997 yeah i i saw a an interview with ellen where she talked about how that was a really hard time in her personal life and she she was talking about how she had lost a loved one and mm-hmm. she had watched a bunch of really traumatic things. And so the idea of being funny was really difficult, but it was also in a lot of ways what she had needed throughout that time. And kind of, right. I think that's how she got a lot of the inspiration for what then became her talk show where she does help people. And she does Mm -hmm. like make a point to end every episode with take care of one another. She's very comedy for the sake of healing. It feels like. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I really appreciate her for that. Yeah. I just remember the episode that um, Carrie Fisher was a guest star. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I think she played herself because like Ellen, there's this scene that I vividly remember where Ellen walks up to her and grabs like two cinnamon buns and puts them over her ears and goes, Hey, look, Princess Leia. Aww. (laughs) I I think Carrie Fisher says, says something like, you know, people have done that so many times, but it's always funny. Like, really deadpan and, like, sarcastic. Oh, I love that. As only that. Carrie Fisher could do. Yeah. Uh, I miss Carrie Fisher. I okay. know. I just started... Oh, my gosh. Okay, total tangent here. I just started listening to the audiobook of The Princess Diarist, which is, like, her, like, commentary on her actual diaries from when she was filming A New Hope. Oh, my Star goodness. Wars movie. When she was, like, 17 years old. That's and amazing. I, like I just started listening to the prologue. Like she narrates the book or the audiobook and I just started the prologue and I started like 
weeping. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm yeah. not gonna make it through this book. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so good though. Anyway, I I didn't even know going. about that book. That's amazing. Yeah, you should get it. And her daughter Billy Lord reads like her actual diary entries from when wow. she was 17. Like, oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, okay. Anyway, it's also very funny, though. Right. Like, I'm, like, crying and laughing at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, tangent over, perhaps. Um, tangent over, on. comma, perhaps. <laughs> moving <Love> on. <laughs> to quote John Oliver, moving, moving on. on. Um, <laughs> um, the next um, sitcom that I want to sh- to highlight is Living Single. So this is a really interesting one. So Living Single is really, I think, like, in recent years, like, has kind of, like, entered the cultural conversation as sort of, like, like Living Single kind of broke ground that then, like, Friends and Sex in the City kind of benefited from in a way yeah it's like the premise so it premiered in 1993 so like a year before friends but it has like a very similar kind of setup so it's like these six friends who live in new york city and it follows like their personal and professional experiences and like their friendships with each other which is like that's you know that, that's what Friends is, too. Absolutely. And uh, so this is really interesting. Living Single was created by Yvette Lee Bowser. So it was created by a woman. And the so, like, the six main characters are, I think it's four women and two men. But it, it focuses more so on the four women and their stories. So, like, it's kind of a precursor to Sex and the City in that way. Throughout its run, Living Single also became, like, one of the most popular African-American sitcoms of its era. It was always, like, in the top five rankings for Black sitcoms. Sure. All five seasons that it aired. Even at the time, um, critics, like, often contrasted it with Friends. But they would point out that Living Single features successful Black characters, like, in these kind of, like, very respected professional jobs, like an attorney, a stockbroker, and a business owner. And then, like, in Friends, well, there's, like, a, like, Chandler has, like, kind of an important job. But the then you had, like, Rachel, who was a waitress, and, like, Phoebe, who... We don't really know what she does. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like a very interesting contrast between these two series. It's Absolutely. Very interesting. It, um, yeah. And the the creator, Yvette Lee Bowser, um, like, was always, like, kind of disappointed that Warner Brothers was the studio that produced both Living Single and Friends, and yet it didn't promote Living Single nearly as much as it promoted Friends. Right. So... I wonder why that could be. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of had like, if you've been on like Twitter or TikTok in the past year or two, like 
at least if you have the same experience on those platforms that I do, you probably see like people talking about living single a lot and kind of like giving it the credit that it deserves. Yeah. Um, for being like, like, oh, also, I didn't even mention Queen Latifah was in it. Um, yeah, but absolutely. She, right? Um, but uh, I think it's actually on Netflix. So it is. I've been it's been go, on my queue. Yeah, I've been really excited to, to start it. it. Yeah. yeah. Another person who just has not gotten her due, I don't think, is Queen Latifah. What an incredibly mm-hmm. talented performer. I love her. We don't talk about her nearly enough either. Yeah. She's pretty cool. And she's been she's been in in the space as a performer for decades. Decades and right. decades. A long yeah. successful career. Yeah, I just I really really And like a multi-talented yeah. like musician, actress, Absolutely. producer. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um <clears throat> and this I hate to uh, bring this down, but I do have Sex in the City here on this list. <laughs> I know I know more about Sex in the City than I do about my own job, and I have a master's oh degree. I know so you have a much. Master's degree in Sex in the City. I know so much about Sex in the City. Oh my goodness! <laughs> we used to watch it on TBS when I was in like fourth grade, uh-huh. and they would like edit it uh-huh. for like. <laughs> Or like so TBS would have those ads where where like a famous person would say very funny, and I just always remember the Samantha ones where she would just go very funny, and it was just <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, Samantha, we get it. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, I don't think we need to talk about it that much. I just had to mention it. Yeah. Um, so then another show I have on this list is Girlfriends. Which was a little bit later, um, I think is like on around the same time as Sex in the City. Um, but this was a group of four women as well. Or is it four or was it only three? I don't remember. But it was also about the love and professional lives of young black women. Yeah. And Tracy Ellis Ross was on it. Yeah. And she's she's really great. This is another yeah. one that I can't, I want to find it streaming somewhere. I really want to watch yeah. it. And this brings us to 30 Rock. Yeah, sure you betcha. Yeah, sure you betcha. So Liz Lemon. Liz Lemon. <laughs> Liz Lemon. Um, So Liz <laughs> Lemon, she is the, she's like the showrunner of a comedy show. Um, but she's also like a mess. <laughs> like Yeah. Like she has like she like there's the the scene where like where like Suri is it Suri? Is her her name Suri? I think right? it's Suri, yeah. yeah. Suri or Suri. I okay. But she's like I thought you had like three kids because you always have stains on your shirt. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> or where she buys all of the hot dogs out of spite because, like, someone was rude to her or something. Yeah, so this is interesting. I feel like at the time that 30 Rock came out, it was kind of in the cultural conversation as, like, the spiritual descendant of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Because, like, 
because of like the it's like a career woman who's you know on her own and she's forging her path but like the key difference is that like Liz Lemon is never nearly as like presentable as Mary Tyler Moore always was sure or Mary Richards is her character name but yeah blurred um yeah yeah so like 30 Rock is kind of showing that like Liz Lemon is just being herself like she's not trying to present like this very you know polished yeah facade she's just being herself her yeah. weird weird self her weird jaded <laughs> Trying to be happy self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Much like Mindy Lahiri. Yeah. On the Mindy Project. Oh, um, the best. Yes. We love it. We did a whole episode about Mindy Kaling and her oeuvre. That's my favorite thing that's ever her, been her on work. this whole podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. And this was really, this was really exciting to me personally <laughs> when the Mindy project started because I love Mindy Kaling. Yeah. Um, but she also, like, as we kind of talked about on, I think on that, on that bonus episode, like Mindy Lahiri always like is always good at her job. Like she's always focused yes. on doing her best at her job. Like maybe her personal life is falling apart. Maybe she doesn't have any friends. But she's always good at her job. She is always good at her job. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I've said it, I think, many times on this podcast, but that pilot episode of Mindy Project is, I think, one of the most perfect pilots I've ever seen. As yes, an introduction. It is excellent. As an introduction to her character, as an introduction to the humor of the show. I just, I think it's one of the most perfect pilots I've ever seen. And I think also, like, in sort of the context of, like, the Mary Tyler Moore show and the impact that that had. So, like, Mindy was single a lot of the time. And she was, like, not shy about, you know, wanting to find love. Like, she was very upfront about, like, yes, I want to... You know, I want to find love. I want to get married. And, like, she never, like, apologized for feeling that way either. So I think it was really refreshing that there was, like, like, yes, we can acknowledge that sometimes women want romance. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it doesn't make you less of a feminist. No. Um, It doesn't make you less, you know, like focused on your career or less good at your job to want to have like personal happiness too. So like, and that was something I really loved about it. It doesn't, I loved that too. I think it it also doesn't make you any less of a strong individual person. I'm thinking of those, there's a few scenes there when Danny is kind of being stupid with her and kind (laughs) of leaving and they have that exchange kind of heading out and, uh, they have that exchange. He's heading out. <laughs> He's heading out. <laughs> Goodbye, Danny. Um, forever. But Mindy says, I'm going to be fine. Like, this is upsetting yeah. to me right now. But I'm going to be fine without you so you can head, you can head out. I just, I, yeah, love it. Yeah. 
great, great, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but shall we now talk about Broad City? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had that on loop this entire year of, of 2022. <laughs> it's just always on my TV. Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one. So I think this is like, I, I've i just realized that I haven't really been talking about New Girl very much, but like, <laughs> I think that's okay. Um, but like, I, I think that like, of all of the shows on this list, I think Broad City like in its humor kind of comes the closest to new girl's sensibility. I don't yeah. know how you feel about that. I like, agree. I feel like there's a similar thread there. There's a similar thread of, I think kind of ludicrousness. There's, yes. there's the episode where Abby walks around downtown New York because she's just had like an intense dental procedure and she's on <laughs> painkiller and she's led by her like comfort stuffed animal and she just walks through all uh, and eventually Alana I think finds her at like a what's supposed to be um not whole foods or something <laughs> and so that level of kind of like high ridiculous comedy is something um that I could link to to the humor of new girl or like when when alana and uh, oh my goodness i'm forgetting hannibal Barris's character oh oh yeah oh, oh yeah he's my favorite me too how the heck am i not remember well alana and hannibal burris's character <laughs> are negotiating the terms of their relationship and because Hannibal Burris's character is a dentist, all of his notes are written on a gigantic tooth-shaped <laughs> notepad. <laughs> that kind of comedy, I, I think, so is very much. similar. He's, yes. let alone, he's such a funny, talk about stand-up comedians. Like, he's incredible. Yes. So... I have two more shows to talk about, but I also have another topic, and we have just been chatty cappies. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. It's it's fine. It's fine. Um, so the last two shows, I think we can maybe talk about them in tandem because I see both of these shows as like just looking at the protagonist. I see. Of like kind of a kinship with New Girl, so the the last two shows I wanted to talk about are Insecure and Fleabag. Yes. So like, totally different. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> Insecure, New Girl, and Fleabag are all <laughs> like very very different from one another, like in tone and in sense of humor, and in accent um uh-huh. in the case of Fleabag um, but I see a very similar sensibility in the protagonist and in the perspective that we're put into with the protagonist sure if that makes sense yeah um so Insecure is uh was created by Issa Rae and Larry Wilmore which you don't know who Larry Wilmore is. It's Mr. Brown from the Diversity Day episode of The Office. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> he's so funny. Um, I think he's also bet worked with like The Daily Show and like yeah. some other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's really funny. So anyway, Issa Ray plays a character named Issa who who um I feel like this character is actually very similar in personality to Jess Day. Like they have like kind of similar careers. Like okay. they both work with kids. Yeah. Um, and they both have like they both have like a very like empathetic, like mission driven kind of approach to their career. Yeah. And they also both are very like non confrontational. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, especially, like, in personal relationships. And they're also both, like, a little bit socially awkward. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So I see them as very similar characters. And, you know, part of that could just be, you know, like, I'm sure that there's a little bit of Liz Merriweather in Jess. um, Yeah. And, and, like, obviously there's quite a lot of Issa Rae in her character on the show. Yeah. But, like, I just see that as, like, a similar thread where they're both kind of navigating the world in similar ways. Obviously not exactly the same, but, yeah, I've a similar been, sensibility. <laughs> I've been saving Insecure for a rainy day for, like, years now, and I think the day has come. <laughs> like, I really, I need to watch this show. I think because- it has. Yeah. I think it has. And then Fleabag. Oh my so, goodness. Fleabag is the greatest television show ever created. Mm-hmm. I will die on that hill. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I watched it all maybe, in a weekend. Maybe, maybe Russian Doll. Okay. Could, okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, which by the way, season two just came out today. <gasps> so um, <laughs> stop what you're doing right now. Go watch Russian Doll. Ronda, I haven't watched go. it yet. Um, <laughs> yes, but I see Fleabag. So obviously, it's a much darker yeah. um, <laughs> um, history here for Fleabag. But she also has that same kind of approach to relationships where, like, she doesn't know how to, like, say what she wants or what she needs yeah. in a relationship. And... She's also kind of socially awkward. So, like, I feel like this is, she, uh, Fleabag is kind of like the, the, the dark twin of Jess Day in that way. And I think it also reminds me of stuff we talked about last week about, like, when Schmidt makes his incredible bad decision, right? When Schmidt cheats on two different women that we love. Right. He sits in his mistake in the same way that we see Fleabag work through some of the things that happen in their life. You know, it it Mm kind of reminds me of that, like taking stock of maybe mistakes you've made and thinking about, hmm, how am I going to grow as a human? I, I love this show. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's really good. And it's so short, too. Like, yes. Well, like. It's like twelve half hour episodes, right? Altogether. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need more. But also at the same time, I don't want more because it's already perfect the way it is. Yeah. And I you know. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. But I'll just watch anything else that Phoebe Waller Bridge ever does. 
Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge so. just needs to go back on tour in the stage show, and we just have to go see it. That's oh what it is. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So why did we go through this 40-minute discussion of... Because it was great. <laughs> ...of these women-led sitcoms? So, yes, it was great. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, like, if we look at many of these sitcoms, like... A lot of them, when you boil it down, they're built around their protagonist and around the idea that their protagonist in are in some way, quote unquote, quirky or like yeah. different, right? Yeah. Um, and that's how they get into all these, all these situations. So like Lucy Ricardo, Liz Lemon, Mindy Lahiri, Carrie Bradshaw... Abby and Alana, um, and like we just discussed, Fleabag and Issa, um, they're all kind of classically quirky, right? Yeah. So I was thinking about this, like, when you were talking about um, Lily from How I Met Your Mother and how you saw her as, like, kind of quirky. And I, like, kind of recoiled and I was like, what? She is not quirky. And I think that <laughs> maybe part of why I didn't think of her in that way is because, like, How I Met Your Mother is never, like, kind of built around Lily. It's never sure. kind of shaped around her. I don't know. I think that might be part of part of it. I think it's worth discussing further, but that was just a passing thought. I but had. then um, I think the only reason I think <laughs> of the character Lily as quirky is because of Allison Hannigan. Sure. So I yeah. think, yeah, it's not necessarily the character. I think it's. I don't think she would appear quirky on the page. The more I thought mm. about it. I think it's that Allison Hannigan, to me, reads as quirky, but I feel like, yeah, on the page or with another actor, I don't know if she would be. Yeah. Sure. Would Jess Day with another hmm. actor be quirky? Because that's what I kind of want to dig into. So, like, Jessica Day fits into this whole, like, some would say, like, she's the ultimate quirky girls sitcom protagonist right? right like and i but i think that a huge part of that perception is because of zoe deschanel's persona yeah as this sort of quirky actress right so i wanted to unpack that a little bit yeah because <laughs> i think it's really interesting so i don't know if you've read anything by kaylee donaldson she's like a pretty good journalist, you know, pretty good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she wrote this piece for Pajiba kind of about Zoe Deschanel and her, like, her quirky brand. Interesting, um, yeah. And kind of, like, how public perception of that has kind of evolved since, you know, the 2000s when, when Zoe Deschanel was first kind of making a name for herself. So... I thought this was a really great description. So Donaldson writes, she was pretty, but not unapproachably so. <laughs> wow. Charming. Yeah. yeah. Charming and relatable, but with a deadpan flair. In 2003, the Los Angeles Times noted that Deschanel had become a shorthand descriptor 
deadpan sardonic and scene stealing imagine doris day's vintage rom-com charisma if she listened to the shins <laughs> Ooh, i like that yeah like that's so interesting that that's kind of how like she was branded yeah <laughs> in, like the mid-2000s yeah it's really interesting so like I don't know if you remember this sketch on SNL called Being Quirky. Oh, of course. You mean the one the one that we've quoted to each other on many a ladies' night. Kind of girl is a quirky girl. There are short girls, some girls, big girls, and small girls. But the best kind of girl is a quirky girl. It's being quirky, and here's your host, Zoe Deschanel. Hey, girl, I'm Zoe Deschanel, and my soul was born in 1901. <laughs> Welcome to Being Quirky, the show that celebrates the quirky lifestyle of vintage clothes and. I also think of Taryn Killam as. As Michael Sarah. Uh, Michael Sarah. <laughs> With me in the kitchen, as always, is my BFF, Michael Sarah. <laughs> hey, hey, Zoe. <laughs> the cookies are down there. They're little hearts. So cute. <laughs> Not as cute as you, though. I mean. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, well, and you remember when um, Zoe Deschanel hosted SNL and they did that sketch and. She played uh, Mary-Kate Olsen. Yes! Joining us today for some tips on how to quirkify your life, please welcome my BFF, Mary-Kate Olsen. With, like, a gigantic Starbucks cup. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And, like, 18 sweaters. Those were the good days. Yeah. Hey, Zoe, I haven't seen you since we both tried to pick the same wildflower. Right? Thanks for coming, MK. No problem. I happened to catch a slight breeze that brought me all the way here. Like, so, like, when she hosted SNL, that was in, like, 2012. So, New Girl had kind of just started. She'd also been in 500 Days of Summer, like, a couple years before that. And that was a huge hit. And she kind of, you know, had, like, the the quirky, quirky girl image in that, too. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I think this was kind of like, this was like kind of the brand. And I think like a lot of people, a lot of people really responded to it. But there were also like people who were like over it. Like they, yeah, like you remember this, I'm sure. Like people who were like, oh, that's so fake. Like she's just, you know, this is like, yeah. Well, there was concern, right, from uh-huh. from us nerdy girls who had seen, like, this was right after, if I'm remembering correctly, this was right after kind of wearing block glasses and being good in school meant you were a nerd. And you could either be the, air quotes going up, hot nerd, or you could be the nerd. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there was very much like a, I remember in like eighth grade, all of the popular girls started to like, oh, I'm, oh my gosh, I'm so nerdy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was just, I remember them changing almost overnight to wanting to be nerds. And I just, 
don't take my what get you wanted get to out of here keep nerdiness i sure tried to <laughs> yes indeed well um, i think of like so this makes me think of like in like late 90s early 2000s how like the like the britney spears christina aguilera kind of persona <laughs> and look was super popular but if you were like an alternative girl then you liked avril lavigne yes. but like it was the both of them were like very much a packaged brand that was being sold to people. Yeah. And so I think that like the whole idea of like the quirky girl, like the nerd girl, people were like, oh, this is just yet another yeah. thing that is prepackaged and being sold to us. And so this can't and I'm like on a certain level that was true, but I think that that made people think that oh that means that this person zoe de chanel must be fake like this isn't yeah. her real personality sure. i think that was the thought process that a lot of people had but yeah anyway um <laughs> being quirky um but i think that it also so like uh, kaylee donaldson points out in her article um that a lot of that kind of like recoiling or that derision also came because like this was around the same time as like the awareness of the manic pixie dream girl trope. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which um was of course created to describe Kirsten Dunst's character in Elizabeth Town. Yeah. So which I don't remember when it came out, but it was, like, probably a few years before this. But, so, this is the idea that, like, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, like, exists solely in, so, like, this is the quote, um, exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's so eccentric and feminine, and yes quirky and she's just what the sullen hero needed to get out of his rut oh so goodness. like yes like this character this character trope like when taken at face value is like a very you know one-dimensional and very like misogynist trope for sure and i think that like that idea somehow became entwined with Zoe de Chanel and the character she played. Sure. Mostly unfairly, I would yeah. say. So I did also want to note that um Diane Keaton's character in Annie Hall, um, uh -huh. Annie Hall, um, is widely considered to be like the original Manic Pixie Dream Girl and was one of Elizabeth Merriweather's inspirations for the character of Jessica. Sure. So, like, not unfounded. No. Um, but I would like to point out that Zoe Deschanel never really played a character that was, like, truly a manic pixie dream girl. Like, not by, like, that kind of one-dimensional definition. Yeah. Um, I think that... So, like I mentioned, 500 Days of Summer, that whole movie, I think, is really misunderstood. Because, like, the whole movie is about deconstructing the idea of 
a manic pixie dream girl and like the idea that like men you know kind of project their own ideas onto the women that they are you know romantically interested in and how like they should stop doing that basically they should probably stop doing that one yeah (laughs) Yeah, they should stop um (laughs) so but like I, you know, a lot of people like completely misinterpret the movie. And sure. like, actually, Joseph Gordon Levitt has spoken about this on multiple occasions. He's like, you should not be siding with Tom. He's wrong the whole time. But, right. But people don't get it. I don't know. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, Donaldson in her article posits that it could also be because people were just used to reducing Zoe Deschanel to the idea of a manic pixie dream girl character. Yeah. Who knows why? Could yeah. be because of like her her quote unquote quirky persona. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Any thoughts on that before I move on? <laughs> oh, just that we always have to label people. Always, always, right. always like Zoe Deschanel is a talented actress and is not just day right she very much is mm-hmm. like zoe deschanel is very different from the character she plays on new girl and yet we have to say oh no she's probably a lot like jess no we don't know that yeah. at all you know I mean, I, i'm sure a little bit like i'm yeah. sure every Every actor puts a little bit of themselves into characters they play. But that doesn't mean that they're the same person. Yeah. (laughs) It reminds me of what Mindy Kaling talks about when she was writing Mindy Lahiri. People would say, well, why would you do that? Or kind of similar to why are you like that? And she's like, I'm not. That's my character. We're not the same person. Right. (laughs) So I I just interesting how that only ever happens to women. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, so I did want to just wrap up. Um, you should go read Donaldson's article. I'll link it yeah. in our show notes because it's a really great, like, and she goes like way more in depth than I have here. But, uh, but she wraps up with the idea. So like, I think she wrote this in like maybe a couple years ago. So this is kind of like, you know, with the benefit of hindsight on all of this, all of these, you know, late 2000s early 10s ideas (laughs) yeah um so she wraps up with this uh idea that like the things that like we kind of saw about zoe deschanel as being quirky and also kind of the things about jess day that we see as quirky like vintage fashion like jess has a vintage purse collection and he's like crafting crying in public um, home baking like these are all things that women of all ages now openly embrace and are really popular yeah and are not seen as like quirky well (laughs) Um, right yeah and this donaldson actually says you could say she was doing cottage core before instagram (laughs) made that a thing Right. Um, And she says, all the hobbies and qualities that made the film industry push Deschanel as some sort of alien-esque entity of uniqueness are extremely common these days. It's not that Deschanel ever stopped being quirky. Maybe we just finally realized how reductive such terms are 
and how tedious it is to boil every woman down to a series of ticks that allow the patriarchy to decide whether she should be embraced or rejected. Thank you. Yes. Amen. Because <laughs> even when I think of Jess Day's character, well, Zoe Deschanel's character, Jess Day doesn't make like silly decisions. She's not frivolous. The choice that like she has a master's degree and she educates yeah. people and eventually becomes a principal. She doesn't make like necessarily offbeat decisions at all right. throughout the show. Well, and it's kind of interesting. So I was thinking about the episode where um, she asks Julia to help her with her parking ticket. Yeah. And they have kind of like, they have kind of a conversation about this exact thing. Absolutely. Where Julia's like, I, she, like, Julia says something to the effect of like, you know, like maybe people buy your whole thing. Yeah. You know, with like the baking and the eyes and everything. And Jess is like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. That I'm not doing a thing. Like, this is who I am. And I feel like that was maybe like a um kind of a meta moment. Yeah. <laughs> she says like I like ribbons in my hair. And I, like I like ribbons. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, my checks have baby ducks on them. <laughs> I, yeah, I really love that episode. It's just again, like you just said, really interesting to look at how we define women. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe let women define ourselves. Is that something that we could do? And maybe, maybe possibly. And maybe we have <laughs> traits from a few different of these labels. Perhaps maybe. we could like many different things. Yeah, you know? Maybe. Absolutely. Maybe I can like historical fashion and Star Wars. Did you ever think of that? Perhaps I can like Amy Winehouse and the Muppets. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> That's, you know, oh, that's I me also, and a duo. Anyway. I put in another quiz here because we already did a quiz um, in episode one. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I found a quiz. It's which generic sitcom character are you? Yeah. And I took it. And I'm a quirky best friend. <laughs> quirky. <laughs> oh, of course they use that word. And I am the other love interest. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So you're Julia. Yeah. I'll take <laughs> or, it. Uh, or Elizabeth. Or Sam. Or Sam. Or or Paul. Oh, she dated, she dated a lot of guys. Or she, Fancy Man. <laughs> oh, the Fancy Man. <laughs> or the guy fancy who dated man. Cece who had a deep V. My deep My V. My deep V. <laughs> or Buster. It's now just a deeper remember V. Remember last time how we couldn't remember um, who Buster was? Yeah. So he's only in like three episodes. I he loved was like... Buster. <laughs> After we couldn't yeah. remember him, I saw that episode like two days later and I was like, oh, I <laughs> like, loved oh, Buster. Buster. <laughs> yeah. It just didn't work out though. No. So yeah. Or Moscato. Or Vaughn Moscato. Vaughn Moscato. Oh my goodness. 
Oh, she was so funny. Oh, I, I love like her. How, <laughs> I like how she matched Schmidt just in his goes to 11-ness. Like, they were uh, both just <laughs> so extra. Uh, yeah. She was the female Schmidt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we're well, over an hour now. <clears throat> Should we wrap it up like a yeah. ribbon hat? Like a ribbon hat. Mm-hmm. Well... Well, this brings us to the end of our new girl series. Aww. Gosh, these months are going by quickly. They're going by. Oh my goodness. Well, next week we have a bonus. A bu- 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 bonus because it's someone's birthday. It's my birthday. It's Rhonda's birthday. Yeah. So that'll be, it'll be fun. Yeah. It's something really, really interesting. Yeah. That I have chosen to discuss. And the topic for May as a whole is also just fascinating. That's true. That's very true. And it's we don't want to reveal it. thing that has ever been talked about. We don't really want to dro- drop it yet. Mm-mm. So Nope. Yeah. So keep an eye out. Yeah. Ear Building to the ground. Suspense. Eye to the sky. Uh, that, butt to the that? seat. Butt to the seat. <laughs> Well, if your ear is to the ground, how are you going to get your butt in a seat? You got to find a way. You're like, tip the chair over. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That that should work. (laughs) That should work. You can figure it out. You can play Twister. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It'll be fine. We'll we'll see you next week for my birthday bonus. For Rana's bonus. Okay, friends. Thank you. Be safe. Have a good evening or morning or whatever time it is. Or Goodbye. Day. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye.